I just couldn't find a job that fitted what I wanted to do. Like, I think I knew I wanted to do events with a bit of an ag um, interest to it. And I couldn't find anyone that was doing that or anyone that was employing people doing that. Um, and I had all these ideas as well. So I thought, bugger it, I'll just yeah, give it a crack. G'day and welcome to episode 78 of the Humans of Agriculture podcast. I'm your host, Ollie Laleve, and welcome back to another week. Hope you enjoyed last week's conversation with Grace. Before we jump into today's episode, I'd like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the lands on where I'm recording the podcast today, and I'll extend those respects to the lands and the original custodians wherever you may be listening to our podcast. This episode has been sponsored by LAWD, the Specialists in Agribusiness Valuations and Transactions. To find out more, you can head to www.lawd.com.au. Well, I'm really excited to be bringing today's guest to you guys. Ginny Hope Johnson's story is one which I think maybe a lot of people will relate to. She didn't grow up on a farm, but always had friends and an interest in agriculture. But it's kind of the steps which she took to really come into the industry, which is the most interesting. Straight out of uni, doing an events management degree, she landed what she thought was her dream job. Doing that for more than 10 years in Melbourne, she worked across a bunch of different roles before, at the age of 28, she decided that that itch that she had always wanted to scratch was still there. And so she packed up and headed north to become a Jillaroo in the Northern Territory. She loved it so much that she ended up staying up there for a couple of years before thinking that It was now or never in terms of leaving. So she headed back home and started her own events company. VC Events Co. now runs some pretty significant events which you'll hear about as part of the chat. And it's one of Ginny's goals to run a major event in every state of Australia. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Well, first of all, Ginny, welcome to the Humans of Agriculture podcast. It's very good to have you on for a chat. Thanks, Ollie. Great to be here. You're, um, you've moved into the event space, which in the last couple of years, I, I imagine has been pretty strange. Um, what's been keeping you busy for the last, yeah, 18 months or so? Uh, good question. Uh, well, when first, when COVID first hit, it, um, it was a tough time. Pretty much, I remember in three days, all, all my work was wiped, uh, either postponed or, or cancelled. So it was pretty unknown ground at the time. Um, and then I had a hell of a lot of spare time on my hands last year. So I put that time to good use and um, sort of came up with the concept of the paddock, which we'll touch on a bit later. Um, but it was a good opportunity to launch a new new product um, online, I guess. Uh, but then end of last year, Again, it was still very quiet events-wise with everything COVID um, and the first six months of this year too. So so it has been pretty tough in the events industry. But um, in saying that, the next six months are fully booked, um, which is awesome. There's been um, a big demand for people wanting to get out and attend events, I guess, after being locked down for 18 months. Um, So we've got... I'm working on the Birdsville races at the moment, which will hopefully go ahead. Um, some stuff up at the Ecker. Uh, working on a, 
a private event um, up at Uluru, which would be awesome. A lot of interstate stuff, so I'm really praying the borders do reopen for me. Is that all you might be, yeah, just living out of your car for a while? <laughs> I've already cancelled three interstate trips this year, uh, and I've got another five coming up, so who knows where things will go in the next few weeks, though. It'll be a telling time, that's for sure. Do you find yourself... Like with these constant setbacks, do you just keep getting frustrated or do you kind of find little glimpses of opportunity and just put your mind to something else productive and, and thinking of a new idea to do when things get back and get up and going? Uh, it is, yeah, it is frustrating. That's probably the best word to describe it, um, especially with this being our fifth lockdown now. But there's nothing we can do about it so I haven't let it get me down or anything you just keep chipping away and um and doing what you can to sort of plan into the future I guess yeah for sure no it's um it's one of those things that it's completely out of our control I, I want to ask so you've come and really built yourself into the ag space and what you haven't mentioned is that on top of running your own business you're freelancing and supporting other companies as well one of them being LAWD in terms of the ag space where did you grow up on a farm or how did you fall into agriculture uh no I didn't grow up on a farm uh I just I don't know I've always had a love for it my dad was from a farm he grew up on a farm in the western district of Victoria and then growing up my grandparents um had a farm just a small hobby farm but Loved going down there um, on motorbikes and everything. And uh, I don't know, I just love the open spaces. I'm not really an indoors person, so I guess the outdoors um, always drew me in. And then, um, yeah, I had this desire to go to the Northern Territory uh, for years and years. And I eventually dived into it and um, took the opportunity to go and work up there, which sort of I fell in love with it even more and then decided I'd try and sort of bring that into the event space as well, which has landed me where I am now. In terms of that heading up north and getting into the Northern Territory, it wasn't uh, particularly like what most people would do where they finish school and, yeah, head on up and, and go and experience it. You actually went, studied, did a degree, worked for, well, it was nearly a decade in the corporate world in Melbourne and then one day just decided to pack up tools and head off. How, how did it come about? <laughs> Uh, yeah, it is a bit like that. <laughs> um, I don't know. I didn't even consider it when I was leaving school. Um, you know, I sort of drew it into me straight to uni, do a degree, uh, get a job in Melbourne, and which was all great. I did a, um, a double degree of sport administration and event management at uni and then rolled into a, um, a corporate job in the sports management world, which was a great job, which I loved. But um, after about five years of working there, I was getting a bit restless in Melbourne. So I moved to Geelong, actually, and tried commuting for 18 months. Um, but it just wasn't sustainable, really. So I ended up giving up my job, um, which was hard to do at the time. And then um, a few years before I decided to resign there, I'd, I'd mentioned it to my dad Um about going up north and working on a cattle station. And he, he said to me, what the bloody hell would you want to do that for? 
And so I sort of shut it down um, at the time and, you know, pressed on with the corporate world in Melbourne. Um, but then when it came, came around where I was unemployed um, with nothing to do and I couldn't find a job that I really sort of liked, it's a, sort of a, a now or never moment popped up and um, I knew I didn't want to regret not going up there. So I decided to, to jump in and, um, and take a job up there. I think I was 28 at the time. Um, so it was, bit, it was a bit scary because I was a bit older than um, a lot of the others, but it's one of the best things um, I think I've ever done. In terms of taking that plunge and you'd, You've mentioned previously before the job you landed yourself in in sports management seemed like it was the the dream job that you're getting into. Did you ever, or when you ended up, I suppose, with that period of being unemployed, were you concerned that you'd found that dream job too early and and the next part wouldn't be fulfilling, or what was holding you back there? Yeah, I think you've sort of nailed it there a bit. Um... We'll take that. I was so lucky. Um, I was so lucky to get such a great job straight out of uni, um, which came through a, a placement. And um, I absolutely loved it. Loved what I did, the people I worked with and everything. Um, and, yeah, just sort of at the end, it was being in, in the city that killed me. Um, and then when I did resign, yeah, I was a little bit lost, but I knew that I wanted to swap over to the event side of um, my degree that I'd studied. Um, I just wasn't quite sure what sort of events and, and where where I would fit into the events industry because I knew I didn't want to be in Melbourne. Um, so I, I looked at a lot of jobs, you know, at wineries and in regional areas, but nothing really jumped out at me. Um, and I'm not, I'm not really one to settle for for a job that's not going to satisfy me so yeah that's why I decided to take a take a bit of a working holiday and um, and head up north while I while I had the opportunity I guess. Hey it's Nick here sheep farmer and Rabobank regional client council member. I'm passionate about supporting our local community so we can improve community well-being and build strong local economies. My job as a client council member is to help secure funding for regional grassroots initiatives. Those that support education in ag, rural health, sustainability and help bridge the country-city divide. We've helped organisations like Boys to the Bush, funded school field days like Ag Vision and held succession planning workshops, just to name a few. If you have an idea to make a difference to regional Australia, go to our website at www dot rabobank.com.au and nominate via our community fund we'd love to hear from you yeah it's an interesting one because uh, like i remember going through uni and i was like but when i got employed i was like shit yeah i found uh, my dream job straight up and then i think that led to somewhat of disappointment for me and yeah kind of from that moment on i was like all right i'm gonna stop looking for the dream job because otherwise i'm just going to constantly be let down but i feel like there's yeah this allure and this expectation that we get built up through school and through university that 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 dream job exists and i don't know maybe if you're working for yourself it does like you like what you've got now no. <laughs> <laughs> i 
know. Every little experience is, is just another a notch on the belt, belt to add to your story, I guess. Absolutely. And so tell me about up north. You, you said to your dad a few years before you even went up there that it was on the cards and that that's where you wanted to head. Why, why the Northern Territory? Had you ever been up there or had you just seen photos and heard stories? Um, I don't know, really. No, I'd never been up there before. Um, seen lots of photos and, and a lot of my friends had gone and worked on stations up there and told some awesome stories and said it's amazing and, you know, that, that I'd love it up there. And um, I, don't, I guess that just stuck with me and um, was something that I really wanted to experience. I, I know I love the landscape up there and um, working on a station was a great way to to see and experience the landscape up there in a way that not everyone gets to do, I guess. Um, so, yeah, that's probably how, how it came about, really. I know one friend in particular, um, she was up there for years and years and she gave me a whole heap of links um, of, of people to contact and everything, so it made it super easy. In terms of staying up there forever or coming back what was it that was the deciding factor for you uh well I was originally just going to go up for for one year um just to you know as an experience for that sort of year off I guess um and I absolutely loved it I, I moved stations um or sort of August after the first year to another one a bit further up closer to Darwin which was totally different um, and I was only there for a few months before I came back for Christmas and I loved it. So I ended up going back for a, a second year, um, which was amazing. But at the end of that year, I decided, you know, it was, was time to come home. It's certainly a lifestyle that you could live up forever. <laughs> You know, just fishing on your days up and having a few beers, it's um, it's bloody good. But, yeah, needed to get back to reality and I wanted to use my um, my degrees and certifications um, and put them to good use. And I thought coming back home where a lot of my sort of network is um, for business was probably the smartest move for me. And in terms of the like events industry, but I imagine when you're up there and working on the station, you probably didn't have a lot of time to actually, you know, look at jobs or, or see what was out there. So was it a matter of making the decision to come home and then starting to look or what was the next step for you? Um, oh, sort of towards the end of the year, I was thinking about what I was going to do next. Um, I remember I had a job interview one afternoon <laughs> And I, um, it was a Zoom meeting and I jumped on a computer in the boss's office and I'd changed my shirt up the top into a nice clean shirt and I was sitting there having this meeting and he walked in and said, what the bloody hell are you doing? <laughs> um, but, yeah, so uh, what did I do? I came, I came home and then I still didn't have anything lined up. I'd, I'd thought about starting my own business, potentially. I knew, um, I knew I wanted to be in events and also something ag-related as well. <clears throat> um, and I reached out to a few people and spoke to them about, you know, if they had any opportunities or 
just chatted to them about what I was thinking um, if they came across something. Um, and one of them was actually the board a board member of um, LAWD who I spoke to, um, which I didn't really know him back then, but three years later, he's uh, employed me as, as a contractor for their events, which has worked out quite well. Unreal. Um, yeah, so I think I just, well, it was like February, I decided just to bite the bullet, give it a crack. I had nothing really to lose um, in starting my own business, so just went for it, I guess. And how did you get started? Was it going after big ticket items and fantasizing about those big events, or where was the starting blocks? Uh, good question. <laughs> so long ago. <laughs> <laughs> um, God, I don't even remember. Uh, I know I did a lot of brainstorming and list writing. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I think it was mostly um, just talking to people, telling people what, what I was doing. And if they said, oh, you should talk to this person, um, they'll be able to help you out. I, I got onto it and found that really beneficial. Um, a lot of friends of friends, you know, that you didn't know but had that link to. Um, I'd jump at that opportunity to chat to them and, and really start to build a bigger network as well, which was really helpful. And I actually got a few big gigs out of that, um, which kicked things off nicely for me. And, and that step jumping into your own thing, did you, was it just that, oh, well, there's nothing to lose by trying and if it, if it doesn't work out, so be it, I'll just fall back to corporate life. Was that the plan? Um, yeah, I guess so. I, um, I just couldn't find a job that fitted what I wanted to do. Like, I think I knew I wanted to do events with a bit of an ag um, interest to it and I couldn't find anyone that was doing that or anyone that was employing people doing that um, and I had all these ideas as well so I thought bugger it I'll just yeah give it a crack and I as I said had nothing really to lose um, if it all went pear-shaped I could easily go back and get a job you know for a big corporate or or whoever so and, and not enjoy what you do. So tell me. <laughs> the, and someone else. That, <laughs> in terms of the vision and, and what you want to do. Well, firstly, how did VC events co come up or VC events? Uh, VC, Virginia Claire. Yeah, very creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You thought deeply about that one. Um, yeah, I just, I wanted to have a focus on rural, regional and remote events throughout Australia. Um, and yeah, I think it's it was <laughs> partly because I I really love traveling around <laughs> those areas myself. Um, but yeah, wanted to really build on those regional events um, that sometimes they don't have access to, like you do in the city. Um, and I just I don't know they have some really good community events out in those. Um, rural and remote areas too I think it's a an untapped market a little bit um and so it's certainly an area that I'm passionate about as well and really enjoy working in so um yeah sort of meshing the two together works well yeah I bet what a I won't say what's the most memorable if you the, the most memorable comes to mind but that's fine but what are some of the yeah memorable events that you've been part of um around Australia Birdsville Races is always a good one. Um, it's so different to anything else I do. 
uh, out in the desert, uh, chewing on dust. Um, and oh, there's there's lots of different ones. Up at Beef Week this week was a new experience because I hadn't been to Beef Week. Mm, it's a cracker, isn't it? Yeah, they did an amazing job. Looking back now, it's amazing to think that they actually got to put it on this year. Yeah, I know. The timing was so lucky. Mm. Um, yeah, I don't know, Ollie. There's, there's a, lot, uh, a lot out there. A lot, of, a lot of memorable. What was the grazier one that you guys did at Beef? Because obviously they've got a fair old following. Um, what, what did you guys get up to there? So we did, they have a sort of, and they normally do Grazie Her Up Late events, which is a networking event for, for women in rural Australia, basically. Um, and you have a panel and a few drinks and just network with everyone. Um, but this year we did a breakfast event, which was a similar concept. Um, up early. Yeah, <laughs> which wasn't great with a hangover, but we got there. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that was a really successful event. Um, it had the perfect target market up there with, um, with beef. And, um, yeah, that was a sellout. It, it went really well. So I'm actually working with Grazier to um, hopefully do some more of them and get a bit of a, a national tour happening. Well, that's the goal. Um, so yeah, that's a, but Brazil is a great brand to work with and, um, yeah, we're certainly sort of on par with, with the target audience that we're both targeting. Um, so that works well. Yeah. Unreal. You'll have to, um, get them involved with the paddock, which is the next thing I was going to ask you about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so is this just a, an idea that kind of came out of, uh, out of lockdown or, had it been from years of passing canola crops? Um, uh, a bit of both, but um, I think in the last few years, I was getting, it was annoying me, especially after just coming out of the ag industry. Um, There's plenty of people, you know, planting canola crops and sunflower crops on um, in paddocks that were really visible beside the road and there's one crop in particular um, not far from where I live and every every day there'd be cars pulled over and people jumping the fence and taking photos and I think it was reported in the newspaper that the the guy whose crop it was was really he got so over it um, and refused to to crop that again there because people were trespassing and they just had no idea what they were doing, you know, the fact that they were trespassing. Um, and it, it bugged me a little bit. It was the same with the canola, um, people taking these beautiful photos, but they don't actually understand that, you know, what that crop is for or, you know, that they, canola, a canola crop's actually transformed into canola oil that you cook with every day. People forget to make the link, um, which got me thinking and, I'd always um, been keen to, you know, do some cool long table lunches in um, in really awesome locations, and and linking these two together sort of seemed like the perfect fit. Um, and so yeah, in lockdown, I spent a bit of time building that concept, um, and 
<laughs> I did a photo shoot on a friend's property actually and it was sort of I had well, three days to get it sorted before firstly the canola stopped flowering the rain involved <laughs> and lockdown as well so uh, I thought I'd do a quick quick photo shoot um, just to get some images before the season was over and um, and then I could launch it yeah end of last year online which got a lot of traction which was great um it was a bit overwhelming to be honest but um yeah hopefully I'll be able to physically you know get a few more of them going uh later this year or early next year it's it's been hard with COVID um you know being a, a small business the risks are just they're too great at the moment with the, all the lockdowns and um and everything to to really launch it well so I'm just holding off and, and waiting for the right time and it- and is that something that you, I suppose, you, you're tailoring towards kind of your friends and, and people who are, yeah, similar ages? Is, is that going to be kind of the initial starting block or is this something which, yeah, we might see in multiple regions and, and different areas? Um, certainly multiple regions and different areas. Um, yeah, the target market is really quite broad. Um, but, yeah, sort of, yeah, it is like it's not – it's not cheap um, in terms of the setup costs. And so in terms of a ticket price, you're probably looking at a, a little bit older um, target market. But I am working on trying to get that cost down a bit. Um, but it's also been very popular with with corporates, which has surprised me. Oh, yeah. A few corporates have been in touch and um, actually doing it, working on a few with them at the moment. Uh, as private events, but you know, in those unique locations, um, which is great, and um, it's certainly a lot easier for me to take up a, a corporate gig, you know, that's paid up front and everything, than doing a public event. But it's certainly in the pipeline to make it available to the general public because that's ultimately, you know, where I want to get the message across about linking the paddock to the plate, basically, and educating people on that. Yeah, for sure. And, and do you see like chefs and farmers, is it going to be a whole range of people that will be part of that and actually, yeah, chatting and sharing what happens with people? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so getting getting the farmer's perspective and then a chef's perspective of how they utilise that product and all the different ways it can be um, used and produced uh, with also linking with a lot of other local produce too. Yeah, cool. That'd be fun. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> hopefully we can we can get one off the ground soon. Hoping to do something with um, the Melbourne Food and Wine Festival later this year. So. Oh, nice. Wait and see. They're a good old bunch of people. World's longest lunch in a canola crop. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, watch this space. Because <laughs> you had a bit of a realisation, didn't you, um, when it was around... I remember you you wrote something for us last year and I'm calling you out now. So no, it was around, you've been wearing cotton shirts forever, but you hadn't put two and two together. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a hypocrite. (laughs) Did you, did you feel silly though? Or was it more kind of mind blowing? I felt stupid. Really? Yep. And I couldn't believe that, you know, well, that was sort of, yeah. The, yeah, a realisation, I guess, is shit, I've done it too. Um, 
you know, you look at a, a cotton crop and think how cool it looks. Um, and then you forget to make the link that, you know, that's your pair of jeans or your T-shirt that you're wearing. It's, that's where it all starts. So, Yeah. And it's interesting, even like coffee, I saw something the other day and it's something like only 1% of coffee we consume in Australia is Australian coffee, which I didn't even think we made it here, but. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. I know, and I think a lot of people would be caught out um, with a lot of different things in that sense of not realising where it starts and where it comes from too. Mm, Absolutely. So, So for you, what's... What's on the horizon? Like, hopefully next year things get back to normal. You've you'll be launching the paddock in one way, shape, or form. But in terms of, yeah, well, what can we expect to see from VC events? And yeah, where might you guys be popping up? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, we've sort of we've got stuff popping up all over. Pretty well, we've got the um, the eastern states covered. I'd love to expand a bit more up into the northern territory. Um, and get back up there and do some some cool events up there in the dry season, which is our winter down here, so it would suit me quite well. <laughs> um, so working on on a few events up there, hopefully, um, and then, yeah, just still chipping away at, at uh, our existing events that happen annually as well. Um, but, yeah, building, building on a few more key relationships, I think, and, and getting those those events really up and um, up and about so they can run solidly over the coming years as well. A question I've got for you, and it's uh, I ask everyone, but given uh, I find your story fascinating where it was kind of jump into work, you went after something, but then you weren't afraid to kind of stop and take check. So if you were to be talking to a bunch of year 10 students and it, yeah, you were giving them some advice about, what uh, what the opportunities may lie ahead for them and, and potentially why agriculture is a career or, or a pathway they should look at. What advice would you give to them? Um, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> well, I don't know what, um, I don't know what they are taught, you know, or what they speak about in terms of careers in year 10 these days. But I remember when I was at school, you, you know, agriculture was never spoken about as a career option well not to me anyway um and so I'd certainly I'd certainly tell them to consider it as an option because I think these days there's so many different ways you can go into agriculture it's not you know everyone thinks agriculture it's just you know being a farmer but there's the whole corporate side of agriculture and you know marketing and events and it's massive um and I think people just don't dig deep enough into the industries at that age. You know, you you sort of got your blinkers on a bit. So my advice would probably be to keep an open mind and dig a bit deeper into certain areas that you are interested in. I hope you enjoyed that episode. As Ginny talked about careers, life and kind of some of those decisions which maybe a lot of people are kind of sitting on right now around do you take some time go and explore and travel do you keep working in the job that you've had for the last little while or what's next so not telling you which way to go but i hope that chat was really interesting for you 
This week we're doing something a little bit different and over the next month or so we're actually going to be doing two episodes a week. We've teamed up with Syngenta and we are sharing the stories of some of their growth award winners. So every Saturday over the next four weeks we'll be chatting with some pretty fascinating people from, from farmers who grow wheat directly for bakeries to agronomists to people working in the work health and safety space as well as some of the leading ag tech people in Australia or person. Anyway, I hope you guys are keeping safe and sane and you're making the most of the spring weather. And I look forward to joining you this weekend.